Hey guys, this episode of Diary of a Working Actress is sponsored by MoviePass. MoviePass is America's number one movie subscription service. If you want to see all of the hottest blockbusters of the summer at a very, very low price of only $30 a month, you can go to moviepass.com slash partner slash working actress to start your subscription today. Now, let's get into the show. This is your host, Iman N. Milner. Thank you guys for being here for episode 26 of Diary of a Working Actress. Y'all, I know I'm a deadbeat podcaster, but here I am, and thank you guys for being here. Um, Well, a lot has been going on in the industry, so let's start with the Hollywood Roundup. Of course, the biggest story has been Nate Parker, Birth of a Nation, Rape, Consent, all those things. Trigger warnings to anyone who has been sexually assaulted. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that subject. Really how it pertains to the movie and supporting the movie. I'm not going to get into a conversation about consent or rape because I've said on this show a million times how I feel about rape and rapists and what should happen to them and how we should all feel about it. And if you don't know what consent is at this point as an adult... Or even as a person over the age of, what, 15, 16? Because I assume if you're listening to this, you probably are a little bit older. If you don't know that no means no and yes means yes, then I'm not really sure what to do for you. You should probably just stop listening to this podcast because something as simple as that has your brain on a spin. But I think um, there's a Twitter user who used a very good example about $5. And... If I give you $5 once, or if I have $5 in my purse, and you say, can I have $5, and I don't say, yes, you can, and you go in my purse and take the $5 anyway, that makes you a thief. Same thing applies to rape. If you want to have sex with me, or you want to have any type of sexual encounter with me, and I don't say, yes, this is okay, uh, before, during, <laughs> before and during the encounter, then it is rape. And that is that. And there is no jumping over it, moving around it. Like, I mean, it's too high to get over, too low to get under, stuck in the middle, and the pain is under. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Rape is rape. Consent is consent. Yes is yes. Anything that's not a yes is a no. <sighs> and yet here we are again. But what I have to say about this specific situation, Nate Parker, Birth of a Nation, and I've said it on Twitter as well as Facebook, I have this this issue with people taking out something that should be directed to one person on an entire cast and crew of creators who deserve to have their work respected and seen and applauded and all those things. And what I mean by that is, you know, there are other actors, especially two specific actresses of color who deserve to have their work reviewed, um, applauded, viewed at all. None of us as artists go into a project expecting no one to see it, especially a project like this one. I'm sure as Asian Naomi King, I think is the character, plays the character in the film, 
that has been talked about a lot because there is a scene where she gets raped by white men in the, you know, in the uh, context of this film being set during slavery. We know that that actually happened. And now I've seen this conversation being that, well, it was written from the mind of the men who are rapists. And I first want to say that actually happened during slavery. I mean, I don't know how many times we've had to say this. Slavery actually happened. It wasn't like we all went on a vacation, a paid vacation. It was terrible. It was treacherous. Terrible things happened, like rape. Um, rape by many, many people at one time on one woman. And I don't think that Nate and his co-writer had to really reach very deep into their own mind to know that that happened. So I first want to say that because I feel like that's not starting to be wrapped up in this conversation about the film. And I think it's deflecting from the, the real conversation, which is that happened during slavery and it was terrible. And it is the reason why so many of us are very mixed and have a lot of different things in our background. Even those of us who may see ourselves as white or see ourselves as something else, we all have mixed up bloodlines very much due to slavery. So I want to say that as well, because I think that's kind of got mixed up in this conversation where people are like, yeah, he wrote that rape scene because he's a rapist. Mm, he wrote the rape scene because it actually happened during slavery. And as much as I detest rape and rapists, I don't think that they were sitting around going, ooh, we should just put our rape in this film about slavery because it never really happened, but it'll really sell the film. Now, that actually happened during slavery to so many women. And um, so that's that. But that scene specifically has been talked about. And the first thing I thought about, honestly, was it's a trigger warning for anyone who's been sexually assaulted. But it also must have been super hard for that actress to go in. I mean, any role takes so much emotional and mental preparation, but to really play a role that a person who has been uh, sexually assaulted or physically abused or mentally abused in any type of way, it takes so much out of you emotionally as a person having to step into that role, having to go on set that day, having to feel safe enough with the cast and the crew to go to those places, to go to the places that would come after the sexual assault. All of those things take so much out of an actress. And the idea that someone may not see her work or may not even review it, because I've seen this thing of like people being like, I refuse to review that film or whatever, to me, is not fair to the actresses in it. I'm all down for people saying, fuck Art Kelly, fuck Nate Parker, fuck Woody Allen, fuck rapist in general, or people who are sexual deviants and have not... Um, been held accountable for what they've done. I'm all down for that. If that is what you really, really, really believe and what you stand on, whether it's a celebrity or just an average Joe, I believe we should all be united on that front. However, my issue comes in, there are other artists a part of these projects. Gabrielle Union is in this project. She is a sexual assault survivor herself. And I know I've never seen Gabby in really anything different in, in a period piece, in something that could really show us what she can do. I think we've started to scratch the surface there with being Mary Jane, but 
I thought it was wonderful that we may be able to get to see her do something really different. And, um, and now, you know, may, maybe that won't happen. Or maybe this film will be something that will just kind of go away and not be seen. And I just don't think that's fair to the other artists and especially to the women that are connected to the film. Because once again, here we are with something that is deeply rooted in misogyny deeply rooted in a patriarchal society that we live in. And now we're going to blame the women or not even blame the women, but um, punish the women in the film for something that the man in the film did. And it just doesn't sit right with me. And I completely get that boycotting films and boycotting the art of people we disagree with on a moral level is our way to raise our voice and to, to make a stand and, and to use our dollars and put them in different places, which I 100% stand behind. But I think it's, it's worth considering that there are other artists who are completely innocent, completely innocent in this situation, who probably know nothing about, who knew nothing about this. I'm, I'm sure that, especially the, the two women that I just spoke about, knew nothing about this. And we're just excited to tell a story that needs to be told. I mean, we've been talking about for months since we first heard about the birth of a nation, the story of Nat Turner and how it becomes buried in a lot of our history books about slave revolts and how not every slave was just sitting around whistling while they work and singing Negro spirituals, but some people actually fought back and won and were able to free slaves. I mean, Harriet Tubman, we kind of get a little bit of her story, but not really. So this is such an important story. But other than the story, I, I, I get it. I get people being like, who cares about the film? I completely get it because you can also pick up a book about Nat Turner if you really, really want to know. Um, but let's not act like films don't reach an audience that books don't reach because it because it does. I mean, film just goes a lot further than books do, especially in this day and age. Film goes a lot further than Google does in this day of age because people just don't want to read. They want to be entertained. That's how they're finding out their information. That's how they're finding out their history. I mean, there are people who literally think that slavery was a great migration from Africa to the land of the free and the home of the brave. Like, there are some people who really, really think that. And it's important to me that we're always reminded that that is a part of our history and that that's a part of how America was built and our blood and our sweat and our, our lives and our families went into building the country that we all think is great. And stories like the story of Nat Turner really show how bad it was. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just all very disheartening and, and disappointing and it's, it's brought up a lot of weird emotions for me because I am an artist. And like I said before, I think that whenever an artist do, does a project, especially a project like this, it's because they believe the story needs to be told and they don't do the project for no one to ever see it. They do it because they believe that the project deserves to be seen. And when I'm talking about those artists, I'm talking about those artists that are not named Nate Parker <laughs> in this film. Um, so that's what I'm saying. And I, and I hope what I'm saying comes across not as a defense of him, because like I said, it's not about him. It's about the other artists and the other creators and 
all the people that it took to get this film made um, who are not, whose last names are not Parker and who are not connected to what happened at Penn State years ago. I'm not going to get into the case, um, but I will say there are a lot of articles online. There is a phone conversation between Nate and the victim. There is a, like a really, really long um, brief, I guess, it's more like the, the trial documents where you can read it all for yourself and come to your own conclusions. Like I said, I don't really want to talk a lot about it in depth because, in depth because I know there are people who listen to the show who have been sexually assaulted and I don't want this show to feel like a place where you have to be, you know, worried that you're going to have to, you know, confront your own issues. But it is one of the biggest stories in Hollywood right now, specifically um, surrounding indie films, indie filmmakers, and Black creators, Black men, and Black women, and all that. And it's really heavy, and people are going to be talking about it for a very long time, probably right up until the film comes out, probably while the film is out, and after the film leaves theaters, this conversation will still be happening. So we've had it here on this show. I don't know that I'm going to have it again, because like I said, I just think it's just really weighty, and it's it's really disheartening and disappointing and you know it, it's heavy it's just a very heavy topic so that's that and that's my feeling on uh, birth of a nation um will i be seeing it it's probably another question that people have i don't know i don't know um it doesn't change my feeling about believing that the women in the film deserve their work to be seen and reviewed i don't know that i'm gonna go on the first weekend and really try to give those numbers and all that but I do know that I want to support the work of Asia Naomi King and Gabrielle Union and the other actors and cast and crew in The Birth of a Nation um, because they're innocent. And um, unfortunately, they've now been wrapped up in something that has nothing to do with them. And so my, my artist heart goes out to them, the people involved in the film who are not named Nate Parker. And um, yeah, that, that's that. So, moving right along, the Olympics are finally over. Ugh. I feel like the Olympics lasted for so long. Like, I literally was like, when are they over? And it was really, really exciting. We had Simone Biles uh, just dominating in gymnastics. She won, like, all the golds and is, like, the most decorated, I think, female athlete now in the Olympics, which is great. She's amazing. Um, also she won with Team USA during the Olympics that includes Gabrielle Douglas who swept the, Olymp the Olympics last year and this was probably her last Olympics. She was phenomenal as well. Um, I can't think about Ali. I can't remember Ali's last name, Reisman. And, um, and then the first Latina gymnast is also part of Team USA and that's awesome and they are multicultural and beautiful and they won the gold. So go, go, go to them. And then Simone Manuel won two golds in the swimming category. She won the gold for the four by 100 meter relay and the 100 meter freestyle swim. She was the bomb, two gold medals. Clarissa Shields in boxing. She became the first American to win two gold medals in boxing. And at her post-conference, she said that she hopes this shows the world that she's not only one of the best female fighters, but one of the best fighters in the world because she is the only 
man or woman American boxer to have two gold medals. She was a bomb. Michelle Carter took home the gold medal in the shot put during the track and field. And of course, the women's USA team came to slay Allison Felix. Actually, I think Allison Felix is now, now has the most medals in track and field, period, for women. Uh, she was absolutely amazing. She won individual and with the Team USA relay team. There was a little bit of an issue there, I think. They had like a false start or something or someone bumped an arm or whatever. And so they went and, you know, talked to whoever is in charge of getting people to run the race. So they got back in it and ended up winning gold in the relay, the women's relay. I think it's called 4 by 400 relay. And they won that. And I mean, it's just, it was a lot of black girl magic during the entire Olympic run that seemed to go on forever and ever and ever. Jesus Christ. Um, but it's finally over. Michael Phelps uh, now, I think, is the most winningest Olympian, period. He has 22, 23 gold medals now. And um, while he was doing that, his homie locked was lying about being robbed in Brazil. Now, this has become a big story. I'm not really sure why, because my biggest thing was when he first told the story, I knew he was lying because he talked so carefreely about being held at gunpoint in a way in which I knew that he had never even seen a gun. Like, he was so relaxed and congenial about having a gun pulled on him. And he even threw in this twist of like the gun was pulled on him and he was told to get down and he was like, no. And that was just it. And somehow he lived to tell this story and all they took was his money. It was absolutely ridiculous. But they ended up being caught on video because Brazil was basically like, oh, what you won't do is come over here and lie on us. So the story ended up coming out that they were acting like, you know, drunk white men sometimes act. They were being reckless and rude in this gas station and peed on the floor or something. And the gas attendant comes out and is like, hey, you can't just come in here wrecking stuff. I'm calling the police. You owe us some money because you're out of your cotton picking mine. If you think you're about to just go on back to America and we're going to be left here cleaning up your pee and paying for the damages that you've done in our establishment. So instead of wanting to just be held responsible and accountable, 32-year-old Ryan Locked went on TV, and this story was everywhere, saying that he and his swimming buddies were robbed at gunpoint by some random Brazilian who didn't want anything but their money but left them with other credentials and everything else, and they were held at gunpoint. It was a spectacular story about how Ryan was kind of like this hero who refused to get on his knees and refused to be scared while a gun was, was pointed in his face. Of course, everybody believed it, and when this story came out, there became this world whirlwind of media attention in which everyone was saying a bunch of crazy kids went out. So we can stop right there. Ryan Locke is 32 years old. He is not a crazy kid. He is a grown ass man who clearly cannot conduct himself after he's had a few brewskis. Because I mean, we all know that they were probably drunk and acting belligerent. But at 32, you should know whether or not you can hold a couple of tequila shots or a beer or a lot of vodka, or whatever it is that he was drunk off of that night, he should know whether or not he can control that. And he should also be in a position of a veteran 
to these younger swimmers who are also not kids, but they're younger than he is. So he should be in a position of leadership over them. And instead he is out acting the ass with them. And then he lied about it, had his mama corroborate the story and then shows up on Matt with Matt Lauer on Good Morning America and is still not able to be like, yeah, you know what? I just lied. I just lied. I just told a story because I just felt like telling a story and I was in the wrong and I didn't want to actually be held accountable for what I did wrong. So I lied because I knew it would be easy for y'all to believe that some brown man in some brown country robbed my lily white ass. So that's what I'm going to say. That was it. And the media just kind of let him get away with it. And literally all I could think of was if that were Draymond Green, and for those of you who don't know who Draymond Green is, he is a power forward on the Golden State Warriors, who's also a member of the gold medal winning USA uh, men's basketball team. But he's also kind of known as like the guy who does silly things. And um I just wonder if that was him and a couple other guys from the USA men's basketball team, the number one word out of people's mouths would have been liars, thugs, ruffians, which is my favorite right now. And, you know, poor leadership skills, not role models. But instead, it's been all this talk about how Ryan was just out having fun, just doing what kids do. And we need to just all get over it. And look, here's the thing. I'm all for moving on and get into the real stories because we're going to talk about a couple of those real stories that are happening here in this country. But we got to call a spade a spade. And unfortunately, too many times brown and black kids are kids, actual kids like Samir Rice, who's only 12 years old or Trayvon Martin, who's only 17, or Mike Brown, who's only 17. These people are seen as adults. They're talked about as adults. They're talked about as if they should have the mental capacity of adults. And they're, even in death, they're made to seem as if they were just adults, being bad, behaving badly, and got what was coming to them. Whereas this man, who's 32 years old, who is a gold medal winning uh I don't even know if he actually won gold. I think he always came in second to Michael Phelps. Not sure. Don't really care. But the bottom line is he's a grown man who should absolutely be in charge of his facilities enough to know when he's doing wrong. And if for some reason he isn't, he should be able to be held responsible and accountable for what he did. And he still looked in that camera and tried to make himself seem like a victim, talking about he embellished a few things. Sir, you made up a heist story that literally could be the premise for a, I don't know, Sofia Coppola film. Like, sir, I'm just done with it. And the media, with exception, because there are some people who were literally like, this guy's a freaking liar. Um, with exception to a few people or a few media outlets, the media pretty much coddled this man. And these are the same media outlets that a week earlier tore Gabby Douglas to shreds because she didn't put her hand over her heart. And it just, I mean, it's just like a continuous cycle of people being portrayed in the media in very unequal ways um, that lend themselves to continuing certain types of stereotypes and continuing one-sided media depictions of people of certain races and it's just kind of old and dumb and silly and why are we continuing with it 
there's nothing about what Ryan Locke did that is anything other than irresponsible, thuggish behavior. And we should call it what it is. And that's just that. So moving on to something more important. Zendaya Coleman has now been cast as Mary Jane in the upcoming Spider-Man film in 2017, making her the first African-American Mary Jane. She joins Lupita Nyong'o and Denai Guerrera as uh, part of the Marvel Universe. Those two women will be in Ryan Coogler and Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther. Um, and I'm really excited about that as well. But Zendaya is going to be Mary Jane in Spider-Man. Huge, huge film. And a huge role for her, so congratulations. Issa Rae's Insecure finally has a release date. It's going to be October 9th. Some of you may already know that. You may be like, girl, that's old news. But there are a lot of people who get their news from this podcast. And I'm sorry for them because, you know, I've been taking two, three months to record. But, hey, if you don't know, <laughs> Insecure comes to HBO on October 9th. Stars Issa Rae. Stars Yvonne Orhi. I believe that's how you say her last name. And it's directed by Melina Masukas who directed uh, Beyonce's Formation, and she's just a really, really awesome director. I'm really, 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 really excited about it. Uh, Donald Glover's Atlanta is coming to FX starting September 6th, which is very, very close. Guys, we are almost in September already. Woo, Lord. Um, September 6th, Atlanta stars uh, Donald Glover, it also stars one of my favorite young actors, Keith Stanfield, and it is set in Atlanta. And Donald has said he wants people to see how black people really are, how they really live, how they really talk, blah, blah, blah. So we shall see. I'll definitely be tuning in to that. Also, if you're in LA, the wonderful actress Andrea Lewis, who's been on this show twice now, uh, she is having a empowerment weekend. The first day of this Empowerment Weekend will be Saturday, this Saturday coming up, August 27th. She's going to have three guests, Karen Horn of NBC, Chica Chuka Bello from BET, I hope I said that right, Denise Davis from Issa Rae Productions. These are all women who are behind the scenes. They're going to be talking about how you can pitch projects, how you can put pitch TV shows, all that great stuff. And if you're a woman who who's interested in being a producer, a director, or a filmmaker on that side of the camera. This would be a great, great day for you to come. On Sunday, which is August 28th, she'll be having a self-love tea time with actress Keisha Sharp. We'll be talking everything about self-care and loving yourself. And I'm guessing Andrew's going to give some feedback in the way of how to get those curls that she has and all that. So there are tickets for both days and for the Empowerment Weekend period, if you go on Eventbrite and search Empowerment Weekend. If you guys can't make the Empowerment Weekend, you can also come to the Merge Summit. I'll be there mentoring. Um, the Merge Summit is really, really awesome. Some of the past speakers include Denzel Washington, Angela Bassett. This year's speakers are Tier Mori Hardrick, um, Courtney B. Vance, who's Angela Bassett's husband, is also a very, very, very talented actor, as we got to see this year on American Crime Story, OJ, uh, The People vs. OJ. He is Emmy-nominated, so he's going to be talking about his journey in this industry. There are a lot of industry insiders like Robbie Reed 
And it's just an amazing summit. And I will be there mentoring on Saturday, August 27th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. I'll be there talking in the front, doing one-on-one with people, talking about my journey as an actress and a writer. So that is the Merge Summit LA. You can also go on eventbrite.com and get tickets for the Merge Summit. I know those tickets were kind of dwindling down, so you may want to get those as soon as possible. Um, The Merge Summit LA, so that is on Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday primarily, and um, the Empowerment Weekend is on Saturday and Sunday. So you can definitely come Friday and Saturday to the Merge Summit, and then go Saturday and Sunday to Empowerment Weekend, and just have a full weekend full of inspiration and full of, you know, going in depth on the journey as actors, writers, content creators, filmmakers, all that good stuff. So I'm going to say it one more time, the Merge Summit LA, I'll be there mentoring on Saturday, August 27th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. I'll be there talking one-on-one with any artists who want to know about my experience on Black and Sexy TV, my experience with Essence my experience as a writer, as a short filmmaker, and all that good stuff. I will be there. I will be answering questions. I will be giving hugs and drying tears and holding hands and giving out my personal email address that you guys can talk to me, ask me questions, all that good stuff. If you listen to this show and you happen to be there, please say I listen to Die of a Working Actress so that we can talk about it, talk about what you may want to hear on here. I am down for it all, and I hope to see you guys this weekend. So let's take our first break here, and I will be right back with Answers from an Actress. Hey, guys. This episode of Diable Working Actress is sponsored by MoviePass. MoviePass is America's number one subscription service. If you want to check out movies like this weekend's South Side with You, starring Tika Sumter as Michelle Obama, this story chronicles the first date of Michelle and Barack Obama on the South Side of Chicago. I am so excited to see this film, and I will definitely be seeing it with the help of MoviePass. You can see all movies unlimited in theaters for only $30 a month by going to moviepass.com slash partner slash working actress and signing up for your card today. Now, let's get back into the show. All right, guys, it's time for answers from an actress. As always, you can send your questions to diaryofaworkingactress at gmail.com, and I will be more than happy to answer them. You can also send them through Twitter. My Twitter is at bestnewactress or Facebook, Iman Milner. So let's get into the first question for this week's episode. First question is from Daniel B. And the question is, how do you know which film festivals to submit your film to? Oh, this is a good question. Um, I feel like the first thing you need to do is decide what your end goal is for the film. And honestly, I didn't do this. And that's why I'm saying you should do it. Because if your end goal is for the film to do something for you as an actor, then you need to submit it to something in which you can be seen on a large platform as an actor. And that doesn't always mean Sundance or Tribeca or TIFF or ABFF or anything. Sometimes it just means that you need to find the right way for it to get into the right hands so that you can be on a bigger platform and possibly even take your film to TV. So the route that I did was that I went through Essence Black Women in Hollywood. Um, I won that award. And that opened the door for me to do ABFF and have my film shown on TV. And so that was kind of my way of doing it. 
I didn't really do a lot of film festival submitting. Um, of course, I did Sundance and I did uh, Next, uh, Sundance Next or whatever, um, because those were film festivals that I, that was a film festival that I always really, really wanted to have my film premiere at. So I had to take that shot. But my end goal was for my film to be seen by the right people. Now, if your end goal is to have your film seen by, let's say, you want your film to go viral. Well, then you should target really, really big blogs, film blogs, NUI or Shadow and Act, et cetera, et cetera. You should um, target some production companies like Issa Rae Productions or Juvie Productions, which is by Ella Davis's production company, that are specializing in having short films air on their online service. And you people can go on, they can watch it. Um, I know ABC now has ABC Digital, where they're going to be doing digital programming, digital content. So you now have all of that out there as well, not just film festivals. So that's something to consider. I think that with the internet and with so many possibilities for the internet to really push your work with using really little resources, like you don't even necessarily have to have the money to submit or put your film online. All you have to do is have someone who believes in your art. So that's an aside in terms of does it have to be a film festival? Not if you want the film to be seen, not if you want it to be wanting to do something for you as an actor or a director or whatever. Um, now, I actually, as a director, think that you should go the film festival route because to me, film festivals are a lot better for directors and filmmakers. Um, and there, if that's primarily what you want to do, of course, film festivals are going to be your thing. Now, that comes down to determining what kind of film do you have. Is your film a drama? Is it a comedy? Is it, you know, something that would really, really fit in well at a Tribeca or at a Sundance? Then go for it. But you have to be honest because you are going to be spending a lot of money on submissions. So I would dictate a small amount or a big amount or whatever, but I would really, really decide on a budget for your submission. I would stick to it. I would not go over it at all under any circumstances. And then I would narrow it down. Maybe do one major film festival and shoot for that. And then maybe do a couple other niche film festivals. You can see which um, niche categories your film falls under and then go after that in smaller film festivals. I think that's probably the best plan of action. Now, I can't tell you how to get them in like that. I mean... I'm sure there are politics even involved in that because you do have a lot of actors who are names and recognizable names who are going the indie film market and making films and, you know, wanting to get their stories out there. So it's still going to be a little bit of a fight. But like I said, there are other options out there that can give you the same type of results. So consider everything before you start spending money on submissions and film festivals. So I hope that answers your question, Daniel. Thank you so much for submitting your question and I hope that helps. The second question comes from a woman who wants to remain anonymous and the question is, my daughter is nine years old, she is a model and a little girl with great personality, how do I get her into the business? Hmm. This is always a weird question for me. It's not the first time I've been asked that. Um, let's I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. I honestly don't 
I'm not a huge fan of children being like pushed into the industry. Of course, like if your child says, I want to act or I want to write or whatever, I definitely think we should, you know, pour into their confidence and, you know, really get them involved in things. But pushing a child into the industry to me isn't necessarily the way to really ground in them a love for whatever art or whatever thing they think they really, really like to do. Um, depending on the city you're in, there may be theater programs or, you know, maybe there's a commercial agent so she can get help working in front of the camera and a little bit more like um, practice in that area. I think unless you're going to quit your job and dedicate your whole like rest of your life or your the next couple of years into being by your child's side and making sure she's okay and safe in the industry, I think it's a little, I think it's a big chance pushing your kid into an industry and not having the ability to be there every day. Now, if you're a stay-at-home mom who can go to all the auditions and you can go and be on set and you can do all these things and you can make sure that her confidence is intact and that she's safe and she's out of the out of harm's way, out of danger, um, then perfect. But you can't deny that in this industry, children a lot of times get kind of lost in the sauce in the industry. There are a lot of perverts and a lot of you know people who prey on innocent children in this industry. So it's just something to think about. But I definitely think if your child loves acting, really loves it, because you said she's a model. And you're saying you want to get her into the industry. So I'm not sure if she likes modeling or if she wants to act. I'm guessing because you listen to this podcast that she wants to act. So that's why I got the question. Um, but like I said, there's so many ways you can get that you can feed a kid's love for acting that doesn't include pushing them into the industry. I think, um, yeah, theater programs, plays around town, um, commercials even because it's very easy work and it's you know they can get a taste of getting a check and seeing themselves on tv and all that but it's still pretty safe and it's not a lot of time spent away from you as a parent um I just think there's so many other ways to do it but if you really really are like hell-bent on putting your kids into Hollywood then um I definitely say try to find a way to be there every step of the way submit her a picture to agencies and definitely never pay for an agency to do anything for you unless they do something for you and be safe um you know definitely don't hand your children over to anybody who you don't know no matter how much they say they can do for the child so I say that I hope that sounds like helpful and not grim but I just have to be honest about the industry your kid is entering into or the industry that you want your kid to enter into it's not all, all that child friendly. So be careful with that, but definitely, you know, pour into what your kid wants to do and look into those things locally that she may do be able to do to really, really hone her skills and really, really be able to feel confident when she's walking on the set. I think that's the most important thing. So those are my answers for this week's answers from an actress. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with the diary entry for this week. 
Hey guys, this episode of Variable Working Actress is sponsored by MoviePass. MoviePass is America's number one movie subscription service. You can see all the summer's hottest blockbusters like Suicide Squad for only $30 a month in theaters. Unlimited films for only $30 a month in theaters. You don't have to wait till Netflix or Redbox. You can go out on a date and be covered, swipe your card, go through, get your popcorn, do your thing. All because of MoviePass. If you head over to moviepass.com slash partner slash working actress, they will take care of you, courtesy of me. Now, let's get back into the show. All right, guys, so it is time for this week's diary entry. Um, this week, I want to talk about accountability. And I wrote a, a journal entry to myself about a year ago. And it started with this quote from Nayura Wahid. And the quote is, I am mine before I am anyone else's. And I think a lot of times we as people, but especially as women, we set ourselves up in situations to be victimized a bit. And what I mean by that is we date the wrong people. We keep the wrong friends in our lives for way too long. We work jobs that suck us dry and drain us. We allow family members to, to you know, hold on to us or keep us down or whatever and we become a dump truck for everybody's everything. But at the end of the day, you are your own, which means you are your you are your responsibility. You are your property, you are, you know, your child, your masterpiece, your everything. You are your sun and you are your moon and that is that. And yes, it is up to you to choose the people, the job, the everything that is going to bring things to your life, not take from you, not break you down, not hurt you. And when we allow ourselves to be broken down by things or to allow those things to stay in our lives for a very long time, what happens is that we start to chip away at pieces of ourselves. It's like a trade program. You know, someone comes and Let's say it's a man and he gives you a little bit of love and in return, you give him all that you got or whatever part of your heart that's left over or whatever, you know, part of your trust is left over. And in return, he gives you whatever little bit he has to give. And you just keep giving and keep giving and keep giving and keep giving. At some point, you're going to be on E. And once you're on E, there's a tendency to only look at the end. And say, okay, well, this person did me wrong. He was terrible. He did this to me. He cheated on me. He lied to me. He made me cry. He did whatever, whatever, whatever. And we tend to not go back enough to see the signs that were there, to see the moments that you could have stepped out of the situation and bettered it and protected yourself and been there for yourself in a way that you need it. Because once again, you are your only you and you are yours before you are anyone else's before that man comes in your life or that friend or that family member you are yours and at the end of your life you will only have yourself to blame for anything that you didn't experience for anything that you allowed to keep happening when you had the wherewithal to stop it all of those things will be up to you and you'll you'll have to answer for them whether you believe in heaven or hell or or reincarnation or afterlife period the bottom line is when it's all said and done and it's your time to leave this earth it'll be up to you 
to have made you happy and whole. And so accountability is like a big, big thing for me. It's like, it's like the word that I've been living, living with and living and, and living by for like the last year and a half. And it's really based off of that quote. I am mine before I'm anyone else's. So I have decided to take trips by myself and to spend time alone by myself and to really, really carve out a space in my life that is only for myself and to not apologize for it. And sometimes when I just turn off my phone and I don't talk to anyone or I, I just retreat into like a little place for myself, I'm no longer apologetic about it because I need it for me. I needed to regroup. I needed to think. I needed to, yeah, I, I needed to live. I needed to breathe. I needed to not feel suffocated. And so this is what I want to make you do this week. If there is anything in your life that is keeping you from loving you, keeping you from really seeing you and being with you, get rid of it. Get rid of it. I don't care how much it hurts. I don't care how much it makes you afraid. You need it for yourself. And if there's any part of your life that's that you can get rid of, that allows you to have more time for yourself, get rid of it. You know, if that even if that's just, hey, I usually watch TV from eight to 10 or from when I'm trying to unwind to the time I go to sleep, I have the TV on, turn it off, journal, sit with your own thoughts, do something that feeds you because you, you only get you once. So this is all you have and do it before you're someone else's, before you're someone's wife, before you're someone's mother or father or someone's husband, or even if you are already someone's wife, or mother or husband or father still know that you are yours before you are anyone else's and all of those people in your life are depending on you to be the best version of you in order for your relationship to be the best relationship that it can be so that is what i've learned and that is my diary entry for this week if you guys or when you guys get rid of things or move around things and feel like you're getting you back then share it with me. Email me at diaryofaworkingactress at gmail.com. And yeah, I'll be right back with what I'm watching this week. True as the night turns black, this ain't no fairy tale. Around one quick, can't you see what I could be? A possibility. With just a little courage, you could really be something. I've got courage. Let's take a trip back, back in the time, 1977. It was maximum crime. You're a natural wordsmith, man. You're working for drug dealers. You ever thought of quitting? This ain't Disneyland, this is the Bronx. Well, that's just about tell you what I've been watching. <laughs> that is a clip from The Get Down. Um, it is a new Netflix series that stars Shamik Moore from Dope, if you've seen that film. I believe Nas is the executive producer on it, and he also does the soundtrack for the film, which that was his voice that you just heard. And I think it's a fun time. It's definitely a fun show. Um, I love a lot of the casting choices. I think Jaden Smith is so funny on it and so good. I think Shamika's great. I think the, the lead actor, Justice Smith, who plays Ezekiel, I think he's wonderful. I love, love, love the choices that he makes. Um, I really also like 
Yah Abdul Mateen II. <laughs> I don't know. I hope I said that right. But he plays Cadillac, who's kind of like the disco dude, you know, whose mom is a, a queen pin, basically a drug queen pin. And um, I think he's awesome. I think he's a superstar. Really, really like his acting. Um, and it's just a fun show. It's definitely a fun time. There's only six episodes, so it's perfect for binging. Uh, it's executive produced by Baz Luhrmann, so a lot of people are really, really big fans of his work. You would know him from Romeo and Juliet, The Great Gatsby. He makes a lot of these like musical epics, and this is no different, but it is more hip-hop-centric. It takes place in the Bronx, and it is seen through the eyes of uh, Puerto Rican leads and how you know uh, Puerto Rican culture influenced hip-hop and uh, I think it's just really interesting. So I've been watching that. I've also been sucked into Shameless on Showtime, which I have to say, Shameless is one of those shows where if you, you know, have, are partial to like nudity and a lot of like just, oh my God, is this really happening things, <laughs> um, then it's great. Really, really good acting from a lot of the actors on that show. And once you're in it, you're in it. Like I watched... I hadn't seen any episodes at all. I started watching it when I was really sick. And um, now I'm almost caught up. And there's six seasons. So that should paint the picture of how addictive the show really, really is. Um, I've also been watching Vice Principals on HBO. It is hilarious. It is so funny. And it really, really opens a good dialogue about, you know, terrible men in workplaces thinking they should get things just because they're men, even if they're less qualified than women, especially women of color. Just a really, really good conversation on that, but in a comedic way. Um, definitely pushes the envelope in terms of just women and male relationships in the workplace and especially um, relationships between, you know, white coworkers and black people and leadership and all that. So very, very interesting, very, very funny. Definitely watching The Night Of on HBO. It is really good, very heavy. Um, I'm not caught up yet, so I'm not going to talk about it yet. I know Power is back, and you guys have all ruined it for me. I haven't watched a single episode of this new season, but I know everything that happens because every time an episode comes out, y'all rush to Facebook and tell everybody. So Power is back, and I'm definitely going to like binge watch it all and maybe talk about it here on the show, but... Other than that, that's what I'm watching. I'm watching The Get Down, I'm watching Shameless, I'm watching The Night Of, and I'm watching Vice Principals, and that's it. I haven't actually seen any movies lately, um, and that's terrible. But I definitely will be seeing Southside with you, courtesy of Movie Pass, <laughs> this weekend. And I'm really, really, really excited about it. Um, I'm excited for a date film a date film about our wonderful, illustrious president and first lady who I'm going to miss so, 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 so much. Um, if there's anything you guys are watching, please let me know. Thank you all so much for supporting season two of Chef Julian. The whole season is available at Black and Sexy TV. Um, it's also available on your iPhone, your Android, on your Roku box, on your Apple TV. Just by looking up Black and Sexy TV, you can watch the entire season of Chef Julian. Thank you guys so much for your love and hate for my character, Yasmin, and support of the show, period. So I think that just about does it for this episode of Diary of a Working Actress. As always, you can email me at diaryofaworkingactress at gmail.com. My Twitter is at Best Actress. My Facebook is Iman Milner. 
And um, I'm going to have a really big announcement for you guys next week. I'm going to actually do this podcast next week. I promise y'all. <laughs> um, and it's a really big announcement and a project that I've been working on for a really long time. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to tell you how you can be a part of it. And yeah, before I go, I want to talk a little bit about what's happening in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hasn't really been covered a lot on the news as far as I can tell. Um, it's been a lot quiet. I guess it's more quiet of a tragedy than Hurricane Katrina was, but it's just as big of a tragedy in terms of the loss that people are suffering. A lot of people have been injured. Some people have died, but a lot of people have lost their homes and lost, you know, just an immeasurable amount of things they don't have the money to replace. So there is flooding all in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and a lot of the surrounding um, cities. And people are in need, in super, super need of your help and your support. One way you can give your support is by sending money or any type of like paying foods or clothing donations to Capital Area United Way, Capital Area United Way, 700 Laurel Street, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70802. They're looking for buckets, bleach, cleaning detergent, diapers for babies, baby wipes, baby food, toilet paper, uh, feminine hygiene products, bottled water, non-perishable food items, school supplies, etc., etc., also, Junior League of New Orleans headquarters, you can just Google that and everything will pop up in terms of the address. They need diapers in all sizes, feminine hygiene products, and gift cards in $20 amounts for Target and Walmart. So those are just two ways you can give um, things directly to the people affected. There are a lot of, uh, I guess, organizations that have Amazon wish lists. You can go on Google, you can type in, you know, how to give to the floods in Louisiana, and you can give through the Amazon wish list. They'll tell you exactly what they need, but Capital Area United Way seems to be one that a lot of people are saying is legit, and they're looking for a lot of things. So, you know, just find it in your heart to send a gift box or definitely make a monetary donation if you can to, to those affected by this, because it's not getting a lot of coverage, but it's a huge, huge hit for the people in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I mean, these people have gone, they went through Hurricane Katrina and now this flooding is happening. So of course, those with very little are gonna be very massively affected by this flood and they're losing their homes and water is up to the roofs in some places. So I want to end this episode by giving you a little information about that and hoping that you guys will give. And if you know of anything else or anywhere else that may be accepting something, or if you're going to go down and volunteer, definitely send me an email and I will share that with listeners next week. So thank you guys for listening and I will see you next week.